You're listening to The RN Mentor, a podcast designed to document and bring you the work and experience of some of the most influential nurses in our profession. We will be sitting down and having a discussion with the leaders of today's nursing world as they share their work, how they navigate their nursing path, and their views on the future of the profession. My name is Ali Tayeb. I am a registered nurse, United States Navy veteran, a Jonas Veterans Healthcare Scholar, and your host for The RN Mentor. Welcome to another episode of the RN Mentor Podcast. I'm very excited to be joined today by Kelly Guzman. Uh, Kelly is the innovative founder and CEO at Yellow Brick Consulting, Inc., changing how new healthcare facility environments are activated. Yellow Bricks is a certified woman-owned healthcare consulting firm specializing in new facility workflow and operations planning project management orientation and training, regulatory preparedness, and activation planning services. Kelly and her team collaborate with executives to plan for new facility activation and coordinate the movement of patients into the facility. Yellow Brick's mission is to deliver unparalleled project management expertise to the healthcare industry. Kelly has led a progressive career over the last 35 years in leadership roles in acute and ambulatory settings as a clinician, administrator, and consultant. Her stellar reputation is driven by proven success in leadership, team building, education, communication, and project management. Kelly has led over 100 projects across North America and has established industry best practices leveraging by the healthcare community. Knowledge sharing is one of her core values. Over the years, she has spoken at industry conferences, published journal articles, hosted a podcast, and published two books in 2020 and 2021. Kelly was inducted as a fellow into the American Academy of Nursing in October 2023. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you. And uh, you were my uh, teammate there with your induction. So congratulations to you too. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations to you again. And it was wonderful to see you and share that experience with you. Uh, it was, uh, it was, somebody was asking me about it the other day and I was like, it's sort of, it's very surreal, uh, the whole process. Um, so, so yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Agree. It's like the Academy Award of Nursing, I felt like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Except you have that you have the you have you have insight into who the winners are. So <laughs> you don't have to show up and it's a and then it's a surprise. Um, so uh, I'll start from my regular my my regular question I was asked. My guess is how did you decide you're going to start in a career uh, as a nurse? Well, it was a um not a super straightforward path, but uh, I really I was I love the outdoors and I was a swimmer and wanted to be a marine biologist and dolphin trainer. And really, there wasn't a career <laughs> for that. Uh, you know, in, in my reach, my mom was a single mom, who was a respiratory therapist. So she says, you know, nursing's a, a two year program, why don't you get your RN degree, and then you can go to school for 10 years, or however long it's going to take you to become this marine biologist. Um, and in the process fell in love with nursing. So um, it didn't take me two years, it took four years, all of this. <laughs> prereqs that I had no idea about. So, um, you know, kind of by my mother telling me and me listening. So 
wasn't something I dreamed of my whole life, but um, I have really enjoyed being a nurse and all of the things that nursing does for you. I think it really is uh, the greatest career. That's awesome. Um, moms always do know best or most of the time know best. <laughs> she, does, she does tell me to, um, she's like, well, you can go be a marine biologist now. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, now you, uh, so when you decided that you're going to go into the world of, uh, nursing, how did you decide, uh, or what, what do you think some of the pathways that you took to advance yourself through various roles, uh, in the world of nursing? Um, so like, let's say you graduated and what was your first position? So I graduated in 1987 and I did a two-year program, an ADN program. So I was a pediatric nurse and I was 21 and I remember going as a nursing student into the like med surge floor and everybody seemed so old to me and just, um, it was very scary. It was a very different world for me. And in pediatrics, I was like, at least I'm older than, than the patients. <laughs> I loved the kids. Um, and it was the very first time that in nursing, they were actually, when we did our, um, like our internship, when they did your placement that I got to do, um, my preceptor was in pediatrics. So I spent uh, 12 weeks, you know, following and being mentored by somebody and then just was an easy pathway for me to be hired into that pediatric um, position. So I did that. And then um, I went straight into the PICU. And that's really where I feel like I fell in love with nursing in the PICU. I love the critical care. I love the chemistry. I love watching the kids. They're so resilient. They'd be so sick. And then um, the recovery and just like how well they did and bonding with the families and that type of stuff. So, um, but at the time, I feel like it's very much like we are now where the um, was a big, huge nursing shortage. So I became a supervisor in my second year in nursing. Oh, wow. So I, I did that kind of flip role where you're doing five shifts of uh, clinical and then two shifts of admin but they always called you on your days off. So it kind of was more like eight days of clinical and you know, four days of admin. Um, so, but I, it was, it was great because I had people who were older than me and had much more experience, but didn't want the position. So they're very supportive. So I, I feel like my whole experience in leadership has been kind of an advisory where, you know, I, I had that, you know, quote unquote, legitimate power but I had none of the knowledge or expertise. So I was constantly like looking for people to help me to figure out how to do it. So I do feel very lucky in that sense that it was a, a really good uh, experience. What was your impetus to go with getting more education and eventually growing, uh, sort of, I would say, growing yourself out of those uh, bedside roles? I think looking at... Um, you know, as I was a, a manager and was exposed to the bigger organization, I realized there was absolutely zero power in pediatrics because we didn't get any of the money. Um, so when we needed, you know, kind of thermometers and just like kind of some of the basic equipment, it always went to the ORs and to the ER. And um, I also felt like my experience in teaching could have been better. So I thought, you know, I want to become a teacher. So I felt like I needed to get adult experience. So I actually transitioned over to the emergency department, got my bachelor's degree, was again, like a, a supervisor there because they're like, well, you don't need to know ER per se, but you know how to be a manager. So I did again, like clinical shifts and, um, and I was the supervisor, which was kind of an interesting role. But, uh, and then when I graduated from 
my got my bachelor's degree, I did some clinical rotations in teaching and um, at Rio Hondo College, which is where I went. And interestingly enough, my sister was in my very first class. Oh. Um, so that was that was fun. But I I have a huge appreciation for the teachers and the, you know, the professors who who do this forever. But I just thought like year after year for me to be teaching and doing the same thing that just kind of seems so monotonous to me. And I loved the energy of the ER. So as I was, you know, kind of going down this education path, I was like, okay, this is definitely not for me. Um, I enjoyed it for a few years and then said, I, you know, I really, I like what I'm doing in terms of being able to um, still work at the bedside and do clinical and then be in management. So I actually went back and got my master's degree in um, nursing administration because I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I felt like I kept getting put into these manager positions because I became the director of the emergency department and I felt like I needed some foundation to help me there. So um, it was it was a circuitous way to get into it, but um, I think that that the information and the knowledge that you get while you're in school is it's so helpful because nobody really trains you in nursing school about budgets, about finance. So I think that that education really helped me to um, figure out how to have a better like management style, if you will. Yeah, that's definitely helpful. And I always tell people you never know what you don't know. Uh, when whenever you go into a master's program, it gives you a different perspective. When you go into a doctoral program, it gives you a different perspective. Um, you know, in addition to the experience, because you know you get exposed to things uh, that you may not necessarily get exposed to, like doing the on-the-job training format. Oh, yeah. Some people have their entire careers on-the-job training, which is fine, which works for them. But the education really opens your eyes to some things that you may not have the opportunity to get exposed to. And I think that's one of the key factors I always encourage people, if you can, to go uh, go for like a, an, a higher level degree or a different degree, uh, just the perspectives change. And I think that that's important because I've had colleagues that have gone to like gone out of the world of nursing. They've gone into like, like uh, a different field to get their master's or doctoral degrees. And it's just a different perspective. Uh, mm -hmm. and I think that's that's what the one of the key things is like that different perspective that you bring back into your work. I think is key. I do think that um, theoretical framework, you know, so having a framework that you can use and kind of go back to and say, like, well, how does this fit into the bigger picture? And like when you're looking at an organization or when you're looking at an objective to do something like how do you put this together and and put that framework around it? So I feel like that really helped me to. Um, again, like step back and, and think about like, how do I spend my time? What is, what is it that I'm investing, you know, my personal time into what are things that are working, what isn't working, and then how can I fix those things? And so it always came back to like, I love the nursing process of like assess, plan, implement, evaluate, I, I use it for everything. And I tell people when I don't know how to do something, because you're, as a nurse, you're constantly thrown into things that you don't know how to do, but you're like, you assess the, the situation, come up with a plan, you implement it, you look and evaluate it and say, hey, what worked, what didn't? And then you adjust and you kind of just keep going. So yeah. it's that iterative process that I think um, has, for me, has just been super helpful throughout my life. That's great. Um, now you, I want to spend, I definitely want to spend a, a lot of time talking about the work that you're, that the entrepreneurial work that you, that you got into, because I think that's an area we don't see enough of in the world of nursing where nurses kind of um, head away from the, the traditional 
whether you're academia or your service line, but you're kind of, you kind of went like a little, a little bit more over, but stayed, but still utilizing your skill sets as a nurse. Mm -hmm. Um, What was the, what was the, what was your thought process when you uh, said, you know what, I think I might want to do this, uh, uh, like build this, uh, this uh, company. Well, I was at UCLA and my position there was the clinical director over ambulatory and interventional services. So I was the clinical voice reporting up uh, as a dotted line through the CNO there because at the time I had reported to the COO. So I had a, like this really super cool and I it was one of my favorite jobs. And I don't think I would have left it if I wouldn't have done this next thing because I loved that job because there were so many different departments that I got to interact with. And I really got to go in and do projects. And that's when I realized, like, I love project management. So you, you'd get those projects. So because of that, we were building two new hospitals at UCLA. And they were looking for somebody to run those projects. And so I was actually asked to do it. And I was like, I don't know anything about construction. I don't <laughs> like dirt. I love my job. Like, you know, what am I going to do when I'm done? Because the project's going to end. You know, and I think everybody thinks about, like, well, you know, how, what is my future? What's going to happen to me after this? Right. And um, they just, the, the CEO was super persuasive and was like, you need to do this. This will be great. You'll learn a lot and you'll always have a job. Um, and I like being scared. <laughs> you know, I feel like <laughs> kind of one of the things my whole life has been like, as soon as I feel comfortable, like I never want to be that person who's like, oh yeah, we've always done it that way. Or the dinosaur, like, which I feel like in nursing, when I kind of started, I was like, you've been here for 35 years, like, what in the world are you doing? Like, I just, I always want to challenge myself. So I think that's always just been something as part of me, like, that's constantly wanting to like, learn or understand, like, how things are happening. So when that happened, I was looking to hire consultants, and there really weren't people who, there weren't many, I mean, there were some. But that was kind of that other piece where I was like, there's money from, you know, the SB 1953 to get the hospitals up to standard. So there was a lot of work and I knew other people who were doing this. Um, so I thought like, you know, Hey, I'll jump into the consulting world. And um, I would say in nursing in general, like we beat each other up. Right. So we're not known for mentoring and helping our young. Like we step on them. We're mean to them. <laughs> like we're terrible. I think I lost nine pounds in one month when I went to work in the ER because it was so stressful. And, um, but it makes you resilient, right? Like you're like, I can do this. You're not going to break me. So I feel like the, you know, that piece of nursing and then, you know, interacting with physicians and standing up for your patients and being a good advocate, you know, like those are things that you learn as a nurse. And I mean, I don't know any nurse who hasn't ever cried. Um, You know, you, you really do go home sometimes like you're beat up for various reasons, but you figure it out and you go forward. So like, all I thought was like, well, you know, worst case scenario, I'll just go back and find some other job in nursing because you can do anything in nursing. So, very true. but but it seemed like a very um, kind of ideal time for me to do it. But I have to tell you, there weren't a lot of people who were like, oh, this is a great idea. They're like, well, what are you going to do when you don't have a job? And what about, what are you going to do when you fail? And I was like, well, I'm not planning on failing, <laughs> you know? So um, I think just, having that part, you know, throughout our, our lives as nurses, um, I, you know, I, I wish we could be better to each other. And I think that's why I've always wanted like mentored people and kind of 
helped them to say like, you're going to get through this, or here's how I got through that. And here's the, how you need to think about the future. And like, don't let that person get you down and get them out of your head. So I think all of those things really gave me the courage to say, you know, let me, let me go try this. And I mean, quite honestly, the first year was horrible. <laughs> it was absolutely miserable. Like people were slamming the doors in my face and they were super rude and nobody wants to talk to a consultant. So um, it wasn't this like super sexy path or, you know, kind of like, oh, I have this wonderful consulting role. It was really <laughs> awful. Um, and then, you know, I remember when we got our first big contract and it was so excited because it was like we finally got work. Um, and then, you know, it just kind of built from there. But I do think like the skills that you learn in nursing from, you know, again, like advocating, learning to find your voice, making sure that you're, um, you know, you, you're, you're being heard. All of those things are, were helpful for me. So I don't know that it was necessarily like, I'm going to go be this entrepreneur, but um, I had already taken on jobs that I had never done before. So this just seemed like another kind of thing like that, where you said, sure, I'll try it. And I turned it into something different. Yeah. Um, did you have any uh, mentors when you went into, uh, when you went into the consulting world? Was there somebody that you were able to tap into and say, Hey, this is, uh, I'm, I'm running into like a wall here, or I'm, this is something I'm not familiar with. Did you have anybody like that? We had a, a group of people. So I, I've also been a big organization person, as you know, so I was a member of non and when I was in the ER, the ENA and, you know, ACNL and those types of organizations. So I've always felt like professional organizations are really important to your growth and finding somebody who's doing other things professionally. So um, when I was at UCLA, I called out to other people. And um, actually, when I worked at the last company that I was with, um, that founder had reached out to me. And so a whole bunch of us got together. And it was more of like a networking and saying, hey, this is what I'm doing. What are you doing? Oh, nice. um, what was terrible was when people finished their projects, they left. <laughs> so, you, so you, you know, because they had to go back to their jobs. And I would say most people do this, and then they return to something in their organizations, like a lot of people don't leave and do this full time. So that part was kind of frustrating for us, because, you know, it was difficult to find membership. But then um, probably about, I don't know, I was maybe six years into it. And I ran into uh, Debbie Gregory, who was the founder of the Nursing Institute for Healthcare Design. And then she, you know, that's really how I got became involved with that organization. And I was like, Oh, my goodness, I found my people. Um, because these were people who actually lived in design and they stayed in it and they didn't exactly do what I was doing, but I felt like we were able to, um, share stories. And I would say people who are doing this really, um, are supportive and, and very helpful. It wasn't like they were just trying to hoard their, their knowledge. They were very willing to share and, you know, I've been willing to share. So, um, so kind of, but it was, I would say it was more, collaborative because I didn't really find this organization until much later. Yeah. Um, which is interesting, but, but the, this, uh, the National Institute for Healthcare Design is, is not necessarily nurses, right? These are people Correct. from various yeah. industries that are in this, uh, in this niche area. Most, uh, I, I would say like 80% of the membership is nursing, but it is anybody like architects, designers, planners, um, you know, just we have industry partners who help us, 
think through, um, you know, just like the various elements of design. But, you know, you go back to Florence and she said, like, have open air, you know, wash. So a lot of the elements that, you know, Florence Nightingale taught are part of nursing. But, you know, we we focus on the actual bedside care and even acute care. You know, I've done so much like right now our work is split between acute and ambulatory. And now we're looking at all this behavioral health. Um, so kind of like as it, it creeps out into the home and to just other areas, um, it's it really is the bigger piece of nursing instead of just like I, I was focused so much of my life on acute care, which I loved. But um, this has really been fun. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about like your 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 operation at Yellow Bricks? Sure. So we primarily do transition and activation planning, and we just got certified as a minority business as well. Congratulations. Um, so, so I'm excited about that. Um, but we work 100% in healthcare, and our team includes clinicians or people who've had like a clinical background, an operational background, um, people who are, are like data analysts and um, engineers. And then we also have like part-time people who come in and help who are like subject matter experts in their specialty. So like OR or ER uh, outpatient, we do a lot of infusion centers and things like that. But what we do is we really serve as like a clinical project manager to help translate what happened during the design process. So typically there's all of this time that gets spent in designing and putting the blueprints together. Then it goes back to, you know, schematic design to like get checked. And so there's, and then it gets built. So during that time in California, it could be like seven years later. And as you know, there's turnover. So then when you go to like move in, I've never been in a facility where somebody said, oh, this is the greatest design ever. Um, <laughs> so we help to translate and take those drawings, look at the basis of design, which tells you what the people were thinking at that time. There's this functional narrative that you read to say, we have 24 beds and, you know, distributed nurse stations. So you read that and then you help to work with the people to say like, this is how we're going to be moving into the space. So we um, service project managers, like healthcare project managers, um, really do a lot of work with uh, of workflow. So things that are new, things that are different. Uh, I would say we spend a lot of our time with um, IT integration. So taking people who have never had any IT integration or systems like robots or pneumatic tubes and help them kind of think about how their world is going to change and what are the the skills that they're going to need and the competencies. So we help them develop orientation and training programs. And I'd say the funnest thing that we do is a program called dress rehearsal where we simulate live operations. So we, um, you know, write scripted scenarios and we spend a whole day with, you know, sometimes we've had 900 people in the building, like acting like it was a live hospital and testing the system to make sure that it works on day one. And so it really helps. I'd say the thing that we've measured is the confidence of the staff to feel comfortable on day one. Cause I, I moved into a building where we didn't, they were like, just go do your job. And we had like no idea where anything was. So, um, so it is a personal kind of mission of mine to like make sure that everybody feels safe. You know, you're not going to feel completely comfortable, but you're going to feel safe. You're going to know where things are. So, um, we do that and then we help with the move planning. So how are you going to take, um, you know, we're working right now to get like 300 patients or we're at, at a hospital in Atlanta and we're going to move across the city 
with a whole bunch of babies, you know, so working through the logistics of doing all of that. So it's a lot of uh, long term planning. Um, And I do feel like it's it's much more of kind of, you know, the the real strategy piece of nursing, because we're looking at like, how is this going to be impacted for the next 50 years, you know, 30 to 50 years, because that's how long the buildings last. Like, most people don't get a new building for another, you know, that that many years. So we do um, that. We do a lot of regulatory compliance, um, particularly in California, because we are the most regulated um, state in the union. (laughs) So um, that's kind of another element that gets folded into to the work that we do. Yeah. Um, I want to touch a little bit on, um, by the way, that all sounds amazing and complicated all at the same time. So uh, you must have a really, really incredible team. Cause I know, I know uh, we've talked here previously and, and, and having been, having had so many projects under your belt, I'm sure um, you must be doing good work if they keep bringing you back. So, <laughs> uh, so from a, from the perspective of uh, of a business owner who is a nurse, uh, because I'm sure some of our listeners are going to are thinking about being entrepreneurs, uh, thinking about uh, you know creating their own business. What are some uh, uh, maybe uh, uh, pearls of wisdom that you can share uh, for somebody who is a nurse and trying to take that skill set into a into a business world? Yeah, again, I think um, just the courage, you know, I mean, it's one of one of our values, but um, you have to be able and willing to just kind of fall on your face and say, oh, it's fine, I'm going to get up and do it, do it again, or whatever. So just being willing to kind of either raise your hand or, you know, move forward and say, hey, I'm going to try this. Um, I know there's a lot more nurse entrepreneurs out there um, that I've spoken to. But for me personally, um, I am very much a planner. Like I want, I mean, I already know what's going to happen in the ne- next three years or whatever, like weekends and stuff. And um, I, when I started this, I was like, oh, I need to develop my strategic plan, my business model, my return on investment, like all of this stuff. And then I read this book called The Art of the Start by Guy Kawasaki. And he basically said, just go get the work and then, you know, kind of figure it out afterwards. Like you definitely need a strategy, but if you wait until everything's perfect, it never is going to be. And I would say that's the one thing with nursing and particularly educators, right? They want everything to be like, um, you know, accurate and perfect. And in this work, it's like you're moving in and you have to get things finished. So you kind of have to be okay with like 85, 90% and say, you know, we'll work on this other 10% um, and, and hope and pray that it works. But, you know, again, like, with the information that you have and your critical thinking skills, I think that it, it has really been helpful for me. But I do think like the finance piece of it, again, I don't think that in nursing, we do a good job of, of training nurses to understand, you know, what do things cost and how much time do you spend doing things? So, you know, when I, when I was at uh, my first hospital, we were taught about productivity very early on. And so we knew like how many hours per patient day, how many dollars per patient day. And so, you know, I always just figured it out in my head, like, okay, we need to see this many patients and we'll be fine. I don't have to worry about it for the year. So it's the same thing with projects where you get in there and say like, you need to figure out like, what is your business model going to look like? I think nurses uh, a lot of times like either undervalue themselves and say, well, I'm not going to charge that much. And I work with people. I'm like, why wouldn't you charge more? Like, this is how much time it took you. 
Um, and so just really having a good understanding of like, well, what is your market? What are you going to do? And can you clearly articulate that? Because, you know, again, like with us, you know, the door was slammed in our face because we couldn't really explain, like, why did you need us? Like, so what's that value proposition? Like, what is it that I'm going to bring to the table? And now we tell people like, you've never done this before. So we're going to save you time because we have tools, we have templates, we have plans, we have the expertise, we can basically kind of just come in and make this happen for you. So I think as an entrepreneur, thinking about that, like, well, what is it that you're going to do that's going to either help or provide that value? And can you articulate that? Yeah. Um, what do you think has been the key to your success? Uh at this point in this business? I do think that we, I mean, I have an incredible team. I really do. Um, I think that they're, they're, we, as consultants, we go in and we say like, we're gonna actually do this work. And we do a lot of homework ahead of time. So we don't come to a meeting unprepared. So I think being prepared, I, I, I can't uh, tell you how many times I've been in meetings. I'm like, well, where's the agenda? You know, like, what's going on? Cause we were invited. And so, um, you know, one of our kind of just pillars is always have an agenda, even if it isn't your meeting, because then if we're going to be there, there's things that we want to get taken care of and we can take care of our own agenda. So like we could take the meeting over and get our work done. Right, um, right. But I think just being consistent, um, clarifying, really listening. I, I have a rule, like if somebody says something to me three times, like there's something going on, like we need to respond to that. So I know personally, like I was a director for so many years and the consultants would show up and just dump stuff on my desk. And so we try to develop tools that are like 80% there. So it's fill in the blank and it, it, we're making it as easy as possible for you. But I do think like relationships, um, being available, listening, not just kind of one size fits all. So like listening to the clients to say like, this is important to them culturally, um, and then taking lessons learned and not just saying like, hey, this is what Stanford did or UCLA did. And it's like, hey, you're a community hospital. You should be looking at what this other community hospital is doing. So really like customizing it and understanding like what it is that they need. Um, but I do think like our team just as a group, like when somebody drops a ball, like there's always somebody there to, to pick it up and we work together really well Um because I thought when I when I left and I went on my own, I was like, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to climb this hill again. Um, but I had the experience and I was like, you know, I can do this. And I had clients reaching out saying, well, no, we want to work with you and your team, um, which was and, and I didn't have a team. I'm like, well, it's me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I want to take some time off. But it was really I mean, in that sense, it was very flattering. Um but I think, you know, when we go back and ask, like, you know, what is it? And they're like, you know, you consistently provide like the same quality and, um, you know, it's on time. We think ahead. We help them to prioritize what's important, not waste their time. If we don't need an hour, we, you know, we, we take 15 minutes if we need it. So really just thinking, like putting ourselves in their shoes and trying to be as helpful as possible. That's helpful. Um now you mentioned uh, you're you're you now are recognized as a minority-owned business. How was it for you being a? Again, we're we're in a primarily uh, white female-dominated uh, profession. How was it for you as a non-white person 
to go not only in the world of nursing, but really in the world of entrepreneurial uh, kind of a role as a nurse. How was that for you? Uh, well, did you did you face any barriers or uh, was everything uh, you know as expected? How was that for you? You know, it's it's interesting because I think as a woman, you're you're. I mean, even though we're in nursing, you're still kind of in that um, kind of there's sexism and you know I I mean there's been so many changes from when I started. You know, having physicians. You know, not that it was acceptable, but they regularly yelled and threw things and said bad stuff and said sexist things. And, you know, I was like, they can't say that. And the older nurses were like, oh, they don't mean anything by it. And like, you know, I kind of just was like, oh, okay. And so I think just um, having lived through this and watching to see like through me too, I feel like me too really helped me move forward, even though I had nothing, it had nothing to do with why I was starting my company. Um, But, you know, I think just people were kind of like upset, but I think that as, as nurses and just in women in general, like you're constantly faced with, you know, some of those biases, but um, in terms of like being Hispanic, um, one of the, my professors at UCLA was like, do you know, like statistically, like here's where you are. And it just, the statistics just sounded awful to me. And I was like, well, why is that? And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think like I necessarily paid as much attention as I should have, but, you know, she brought that to my attention and I did become active in the National Association of Hispanic Nurses. And I would say not as much my personal experience, but the students that I mentored who shared with me that, you know, the professors were very um, racist to them and said like, well, you're just going to go have babies. Why are you taking somebody's spot? Um, And Um, so kind of trying to again, like step back and I've always just said, like, think of the future, think about where you want to be and what is it that you can do to go and take that power so that you have influence. And, um, you know, because at at the time, like there isn't a lot that you can do. You really do feel victimized of like being there. And sometimes just like, did this really happen? And I was um, mentored by a wonderful person, Tammy Brailsford, who uh, was a COO and I was in a lot of meetings with her where, you know, she allowed me to like write all of my questions. And at that time, I just, I mean, literally we would just get excused. And I was like, did they really just do that? Like kind of wave their hand and tell you to go away. And she's like, oh, you bet. You know, like you bet just sister. And I was like, what does this mean? So I think just one being aware, like this is, this is what exists. And then you kind of just say, oh, it's fine. Like you kind of let it roll off your back, but you really do in the world. Um, as you know, you have to pick and choose your battles of, you know, where do you want to spend your energy? And so I feel like when I'm faced with that, I don't really give them my energy or my power. I keep it. And I'm like, here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to try to help as many, you know, disadvantaged people as possible and really make sure that like all of the colors and all of the sexes are, are represented. So I, I feel like I've spent more energy doing that than kind of dwelling on like, you know, why is this happening to me or, you know, just those types of things. Yeah. Um, makes sense. Um, I want to touch on some, uh, touch on another point because I think it's, you know, um, uh, I, I've had, uh, I've had, you know, did I, I purposefully have um, a diverse group of individuals on this show because 
representation, especially in academia, isn't really there. We don't have all the colors of the rainbow represented in academia. Uh, and that's, that's problematic from my perspective and a lot of other people's perspective. Um, how do you, what do you think um, is missing in attracting more, like I'm in LA, but we still, even in LA, we have a hard time attracting enough um, Hispanic nurses into the world of nursing. And especially like, in the, when you start getting into like master's degrees or doctoral programs, they're almost become like invisible. Um, so what do you think the profession, what do you think the profession is not doing or what are we not doing? Uh, perhaps even maybe at, at the, at, at a, a junior high school or middle school or high school level that we're not attracting uh, the population? How are we not supporting this population? I think it's, you know, when you walk in and you look around and you don't see anybody who looks like you, um, it really takes a rare person to kind of come out and say like, hey, let me like invite you to my clique. And it is a clique yeah. and you don't fit in and you're the person who stands out. And so you have to be that, you know, the Rosa Parks who sits down or, you know, like the one person who's going to say, like, I'm going to be the person to pave the way for others. So I do think it's like somebody who has a super strong disposition to say, like, this is what my goal is for the future, because it isn't going to happen with that one person. Um, I do think like there's there's awareness, but there isn't like this training. And I don't think people really still understand like how bias they are or how racist they are or how set in their their values or their way and I think just you know I'm from Los Angeles so we've been exposed to a lot of different cultures but I mean I didn't really grow up I went to Catholic school so I didn't really know anybody who was Jewish until I became you know and I think maybe much older in my life and I was like oh wow like it's it was this whole different culture um, and, you know, not that it was good or bad, but I think sometimes like if you don't even know and you're not exposed yeah. to things, like you don't really know how you think. So my husband is a hundred percent white <laughs> and I tell him this all the time. I said, he's like, you just don't think the way you don't understand like the stresses that I have to go through, you know, just as a woman, as somebody who's smaller, like, so when I travel, cause I travel all over. So I'm like, I have to get on the first flight because I don't know where I'm landing. I don't know if it's safe. I don't know who's going to follow me. So, you know, there's those types of things, but I think just all of those experiences, like, you know, people tend to go with their, you know, friends or you hire people who look like you or act like you. So in academia where you're primarily white and, you know, women, it's like, that's who, who they're attracted to. So I think to teach that, bias and understand like, well, what does this mean? And, you know, I said, I, I, at home, I'm like, here's what you're doing. That's bias. Like you don't even recognize it. So, and, you know, and I think obviously like we're married, so it's not like he's completely like this racist person, but it's, I think that just unaware of like what your, your, um, you know, your thoughts are or how you, how you were raised, I guess. But um, I do think it, it, it's going to take somebody who is very, strong and committed and then a, a faculty and a dean who is open to and it, and they make it either a requirement or you know to like mentor i do think mentoring is super helpful because you need coaching you really need a sponsor for somebody to come in and help you like hey here's how you behave here's what you say because 
you know, we weren't taught how to be either a teacher or a consultant or a leader. We've fallen along the way, right? But we've all had really great mentors and, and sponsor. You need a sponsor who's going to say, hey, let Ali lead this committee. Let this person lead. Let this person be in charge and then help them to be successful. You don't just become successful. You are, you know, trained, you are helped along the way. And I think that's probably the biggest area, um, you know, not just in academia, but I think all of nursing leadership and healthcare leadership where, um, you know, we're getting better, but we're still short. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from, from my perspective, you know, um, uh, although I fall under the care, if you give me a, give me a, a form and it, it, <laughs> on the form, I have to click, I have to check the, the I'm white, but, you know, being from the Middle East, I don't identify as white, right? Because uh, right. the culture is different and the languages are different and the, uh, you know, the uh, the traditions are different. So I don't, I do have the privilege of looking white though. So, uh, so it is, it's very interesting, but from a, from a male perspective in this profession, uh, some of the same concepts because there isn't that many of us and we're not from a percentage perspective we're not really growing and and it seems to be the same with a lot of the other like when we look at other ethnicities and and as well there isn't much growth in the mm -hmm. profession so we all i want to say we're almost feels like it's sort of stalled and we're not oh, yeah. we're not going we haven't done whatever else we need to do to push it past that uh, initial barrier. So uh, I think it's important that we, we need to figure that out and we need to figure it out. I think soon, these, soon. These, these lean in circles, you know, I've, I've seen some and participated in some, um, I think are helpful, but like to your point earlier, it needs to start in school. It needs to start when you're young and your, your eyes are, you know, open to everything and that it's expected and yeah. you, you, you know, it just, it is part of who, you are and it's your values. So if if you can do that, because I don't think as women, we always necessarily like support each other. And there's still this like cattiness occasionally that, you know, I, I run up against. And sometimes I'm like, oh thank goodness it's a man that I'm gonna have to deal with. It's gonna be so much easier. <laughs> I mean, which is terrible to say, you know, I mean I really, I really do. And you know, sometimes it just, it is easier, but I, I think because women are like, I need to follow the book. I need to do this. Like I need to stick to these rules. And, you know, in my experience, it's just been like men have been in power longer. And so they're like, okay, I'm going to figure out how to get what I want in within the guidelines of these roles where yeah. like women, we kind of stick to the rules a little bit more. So, I mean, I'm always telling people like, just go do it. Just get out there. You'll figure, like I said, no, figure it out later. Um, which is something I would have never done. But like, I was like, yeah, it'll, it'll work out. You might be up all night long. You might be recruiting your friends and family to help you like get this work done. But yeah. like that there's kind of like those little, you know, cliffs, you just got to jump off. Yeah, definitely. Definitely true. Um, I want to be cognizant of our time and your time. Uh, um, so anything else you want to share with us? Cause I, I, I can talk to you about this stuff. Like I think all day. Probably. No, but I do think, um, you know, I think for for nurses, don't be blinded by, you know, people either telling you that you can't do something or that you're not ready. Um, I, I applied for lots of jobs that I never got. And I was like, oh, eventually I'm going to get this or here's this is what I want to do. So, you know, you just you need to be your biggest cheerleader. Um, find people who are going to be supportive of you. 
and, um, you know, keep them in your corners. You know, I have like a great group of friends who um, have been support my whole life. So I do think like that's part of like what's really what's really helpful. But, you know, again, like I think in nursing school, you know, it's the other piece I think that needs to change. They were teaching you to become acute care nursing when there's clinics, when there's school nursing and public health nursing. And, you know, there's so many other pieces, but like there's this curriculum and there's just kind of this standard that we need. So, you know, don't be don't limit yourself by what you know is in front of you or by doing what's easy, you know, do what you love to do. Um, and I think you'll, you'll be happy. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. And I do want to pull up, put a plug in for the National Association of Hispanic Nurses. I've had the privilege of working with them several times, the LA chapter one. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, uh, and anybody listening to, you know, uh, so I want to encourage uh, people to step out of their comfort zones and engage with various uh, nursing associations, even though mm-hmm. uh, there's the Black Nurse Associations, there's DMPs of color, there is the, uh, the Filipino. Uh, Filipino and Asian American, uh, there's the Hawaiian Native uh, mm-hmm. uh, Nurses Association. So there's a lot of different associations out there that I think people can engage with and just to learn about the, the, the various uh, uh, cultures and influences within the world of nursing, because I think it's it's key to uh, some of the successes that we can have uh, in the profession. So again, uh, greatly appreciate you being on the show. We've been listening to uh, Kelly Guzman. Uh, she is the uh, CEO uh, at uh, founder and CEO at Yellow Brick Consulting Inc. Um, thank you very much, and I look forward to bringing you more incredible guests in the near future. Thank you. You've been listening to the RN Mentor with your host, Ali Tayeb. Please don't forget to visit www.aliartayeb.com. That's www.aliartayeb.com com for podcast notes and resources and don't forget to subscribe until next time i wish you fair winds and following seas